everyone and welcome to today's training on how to effectively hire and onboard your overseas VA. So if you are new to the group, let me just clarify what's happening over the next few weeks. We are doing a live training series all about how you can better and more effectively find, hire, train, and onboard your overseas VAs. And really the month of August is dedicated to onboarding your VAs. And so what we wanted to do, what my team is really excited about helping all of you with is spending today talking about before the onboarding. So everything that goes into prospecting, looking for them, and hiring them. There are three huge mistakes that I want to cover today, but I want to make sure that this is an engaging chat for everybody. So feel free to say hi in the chat. Let me know where you're tuning in from. I'm loving this Facebook group that we're growing. And yes, there will be a replay here. So let's dive in here. Because like I said, I've got three big mistakes that I want to share with all of you to make sure that you're avoiding these mistakes when it comes to bringing on your next overseas virtual assistants. Omid is in the house. Love it when you can join us, Omid. So let me go full screen here just because I've got a lot of text on these next few slides. You're in the right place if you've got a growing business and a really big vision for your business. Let me know if that's the case for you. But building a virtual team, if we're being honest, feels overwhelming, confusing, and heavy for you. Let me know if you're if you feel like you're committed to creating more freedom for yourself and your business. And you do believe that overseas VAs or virtual assistants would be a really great thing for your business. And most importantly, this last one is especially close to my heart, as we'll get into later in this training. Let me know in the chat. Give me a one if you want one last thing to keep you up at night. If just as a business owner, I know the feeling, let me know if you do too, that really what we want at the end of the day is to stop worrying so much about potential fires happening in the business. And being able to delegate things so that it's no longer all the stress that we have to carry would be great. Awesome. Thank you for the one. By the way, as you guys are tuning in live or even on the replay, feel free to click. I think there's a link in the description of this video to make sure that you're giving StreamYard proper permissions for me to see all of the different names and faces here. So before we dive into things, I just want to set the scene. Because this is a group of business owners. And if I had to bet, I would bet that most of you are here partly, and when I say here, in the running your own business, because you've had that experience in the past of having golden handcuffs, 
working at some type of a nine to five and realizing that you wanted to go out on your own. You no longer wanted to be in that situation where maybe you had a, a good paying job or some type of security, but that just didn't give you the freedom that you wanted. And so you set on you set out this journey to say yes to entrepreneurship, to starting your own business, partly because you no longer wanted to wear golden handcuffs. Give me an amen if that's the case with you. I'll let those roll in. The reason why I'm starting here is because I know that even this visual of golden handcuffs hits people, hits business owners at a deep level of we don't want this. But we already got gotten at least one amen in the comments. The problem is for so many business owners, we spend so much time, money, and effort building a business so that we never have to wear these golden handcuffs ever again. But instead, we get stuck in a golden hamster wheel. Now, we are our worst employee. Everything is falling on us. And yes, we can proudly say that we don't have to wear golden handcuffs, but now we're attached to this thing that if we're not careful over time, more and more will grow to despise. I say all of this because when you do delegations effectively, when you team build, when you start to bring on overseas VAs, that can be your answer to not only no longer wear golden handcuffs, but to get off of that golden hamster wheel once and for all. Now, here's what you're going to learn from hanging out with us today. I'm going to deliver as much valuable education as I can in the next 30 to 45 or so minutes. And it's my promise to all of you that you'll get actionable and practical tips. This won't all be theory. Please note, in case you haven't worked with my law firm, Indie Law, before, or you're unfamiliar with my service, Global Vetted VAs, over half of our team at this point is overseas virtual assistants. So you can trust that I really know this stuff. Be open to learning something new because quite a lot of what we're going to be talking about today goes against common sense or what we've heard from other people. And finally, make sure that you're doing what you've got to do to stay focused. I know that technology is great and we can use the internet to be talking here today, but there can also be so many opportunities for distractions. And the more you stay focused and with me as we go through this, the more you'll get out of it. So do what you have to do to close out other tabs, silence the phone, and get ready to take some notes. Also, before we dive into the fun details here, just to let everybody know that I do have some deeper dive resources that we'll circle back to at the very end. Lord knows that we don't have enough time today to get into everything, but I do have some great free bonus resources that I'll make sure that all of you know where to get that at. Let's start here. On a scale from one to five, let me know in the chat, how would you rate your current knowledge of hiring virtual assistants? Give me a one if you feel like it's all new to you and give me a five and you can do it proudly if you feel like you're already a ninja at hiring overseas VAs. You're just here to maybe catch a golden nugget or two. All right. Samir's given me a one. Just wanted to, Moira's given me a one. Just wanted to do a good pulse check at the very beginning just to see where the room feels like you're at here. Okay. We're seeing quite a few ones here. You guys are all in the right place. And whether you're, you're loudly giving a one here or quietly maybe thinking to yourself, I'm closer to a four or a five, either way, this training is for you. And if we're being honest, I'm seeing more and more ones in the chats. 
I vividly remember when I myself felt like this was all new to me. And my story of being at a one, of feeling like I was brand new to overseas VAs, unfortunately started in the ER. For anybody who doesn't know this part of my story, I'll just get into it really quickly. I started my law firm about five years ago. And if we can go back to about my one-year anniversary, I was working hard like most business owners to do what I can to really end that first year strong. We set a really crazy goal financially that we wanted to hit. And when I say we, that was just me. And I was really close to hitting it, but it was really stressful. And one day, pretty much out of nowhere, I had a really serious panic attack. It was so bad that I was sent to the ER. They treated me, they gave me some medicine, sent me back home, and I had another panic attack. Was sent back to the hospital. Long story short, I spent over two weeks in the hospital with back-to-back panic attacks that were getting worse and worse. It took the doctors a long time to figure out what was happening. Eventually, they realized that I have a very rare allergy to most anti-anxiety medications, including Xanax. Once they figured that out, they were able to find some other types of medicine that could work for me. Everything died down quickly. And I'm so grateful to say that I haven't had a panic attack since, but it was very scary. And I'll never forget when I was leaving the hospital, one of the doctors that I had grown closest to was telling me, look, based on the medication change, we are confident that Hopefully, we'll never see you again, but your brain went through a very traumatic experience. It's going to take you a while for your brain to rewire itself. And we've learned that you run a business, that you are a lawyer and run a law firm, and we know that's super stressful. You have to do everything that you can do with your law firm to make it as stress-free as possible. And they actually said this to me, Joey, do everything you can to create a stress-free law firm doctor's orders. It's one thing to just hear people talk about the importance of mental health and stuff, and all of that is great. But I was actually getting it as doctor's orders. You need to do what you can to cut all the stress out of your business so that we don't see you again. And that really woke me up to, okay, how can I start to apply business best practices and principles to my law firm? And I came across this quote that I absolutely love. It changed my world. It was the more your business depends on you, the less it is worth. I am so thankful for not only hearing what my doctor said to me about you got to do what you can to create a stress-free law firm, but also seeing this. Because when I combine those two, it told me that, okay, if I can create a business that doesn't depend on me, not only will that allow for me to have a, a less stressful law firm, it'll also make my law firm more valuable. I don't think that gets talked about enough, that this isn't just a let's do what we can to build more of a work-life balance into our business and lifestyles. It's not just about that. It's also, this is a win. And the more we can create our businesses to be less and less stressful, the more our businesses will be worth. So when I came across this quote, it got me thinking. I decided that I wanted to play a new type of game in my business. Okay, the doctor's telling me that I have to work, that I really shouldn't be stressing myself out. I don't know about you guys, but I run a service-based law firm and I love my clients, but it's because of my client work that would cause me so much stress. I would feel like I was, all of the stress 
that my clients were carrying that made them eventually reach out to me and invest in my services, it was like I had to carry the weight of all of that on my shoulders. And so the goal, the game that I wanted to play was how can I cut back on client work so much that I'm only spending less than an hour a week on client work. For years, I was making progress with my business, with my team to achieve this. And I am so proud and honored to say that I have reached that milestone. It's been amazing. We're going to dive into how I did that, which, spoiler alert, is overseas virtual assistance. When I started playing this different game of how can I work less for the sake of my own health and the business's health, that was when I was introduced to this world of overseas virtual assistance and specifically working with people in places like the Philippines who can really help you with your business. And just to give you a little snapshot of where we're at now, if you go on our website, you'll see various people on our team. On the left side of this screen are my leadership team, our attorneys on my team, but on the right side are some of our just absolute kick butt overseas teammates. And a few months ago, we just decided that we had to put more and more of our overseas team on our website because even though that they aren't the most visible people on our team, they're not necessarily the ones that are communicating with our clients all the time. Really, those are the ones that have allowed us, that have helped us put a foundation in place to have a business that really runs like clockwork. And once I started telling more and more people that my business is growing with large help to the overseas team that we're building, people were asking me to go on stages, to speak on podcasts. And as, as we now have this Facebook group that talks about this, I'm saying all of that just so you guys know, understand my background of why we're here, why this means so much to me, which brings us really to the main point that most business owners are making three big mistakes when it comes to virtual assistance. And so I want to spend the rest of our time today going through what these mistakes are, especially when it comes to hiring virtual assistants. And then again, this is really a precursor to the training series that we're going to be doing for the entire month of August that is more specific to onboarding. So here's mistake number one. You might have heard me or seen me talk about this before, but the mistake number one that we have to talk about is you're outsourcing your problems instead of delegating your solutions. Now, there's a lot of words there. Let me break down what I mean. And we really need to talk about this first. There is a dangerous trap of throwing money at your problems. Let's dive into what I mean here. What does it mean to throw money at a problem? It means that you're unwilling to deal with a certain business problem yourself. And more often than not, it means that you're resisting to learn certain fundamentals in your business like marketing, sales, operations, and financials. And because of that, you're wanting to hire someone to come in and just fix things for you, to do that for you, to be your fixer. And I want to call this out at the outset. It is not always a bad thing to throw money at a problem. I don't know about you guys. Let me know in the chat if we have any like car experts. I don't know a thing about cars other than how to drive mine. And so whenever there is a problem, I'm the last person who can fix it myself. And of course, there are several different types of people I go to and Jiffy Lubes and whatever, when the certain light goes on, you don't want me touching that stuff. 
At the same time, that's not something that is fundamental to my life, right? There are certain times in your business where it might make sense to outsource, to throw money at a problem. But here's why it, this is so important to clarify this distinction. The real, the real issue is that when you have problems that you're seeing in your business, more often than not, those problems are a sign. They're things that you need to learn as an essential skill set or lesson as a business owner. And when we just throw money at it, when we just outsource it to someone else, we never learn the solution to that problem ourselves. I call this outsourcer, outsourcer syndrome. And the result of that is that your business now depends on an outside hire. And I want to clarify this here too, because it's a very important point to make. The worst types of problems you can be throwing money at is really anything around sales and marketing. This is super common. I see it all the time. And it's totally understandable where business owners are like, this marketing and sales stuff is new to me. I just want someone to come in, fix it for the sake of my business. I get it. But the moment you decided that you wanted to start a business, you chose to be in a game that is mostly sales and marketing. Trust me, it pays so much to lean into these types of issues and problems with your business, to learn it yourself, and to have that result in internal systems and processes for your company. I say all of that because... You need to avoid this trap. Don't use VAs to avoid responsibility. It's similar to wanting to lose weight and trying to pay a stranger to do the push-ups for you. This is the work that you've got to do. It's similar to saying this, I'll pay someone to be responsible for my success, but I want all the rewards as the business owner. The truth is that your business needs you as the owner to develop certain fundamental skills in-house, which means it's time to build systems and processes that you own around certain fundamentals in the business. So here's what you do instead. First, you learn it first. Develop your own responses and processes to the big problems that are facing your business. Now, by all means, if it makes sense, buy a course or work with a consultant. Investing in the ability to resolve issues yourself is different than just throwing money at the problem and outsourcing. I want to clarify that because a lot of times getting to a place where you can delegate means investing in some type of a consultant, coach, or course so that you can not totally be wanting a solution. You can definitely be delegating while leaning on the shoulders of experts in a way that's helpful and that allows you to internalize those lessons learned. Then you have unleashed your ability to work with others and to delegate it off of your plate. When you do all of this, then you'll no longer be coming at your problems from a reactive, urgent, and likely financially irresponsible place. So in other words, to recap, don't outsource your problems by throwing money at those problems. Instead, delegate your solutions and train others to manage your in-house processes. Now, and I've shared this slide in the group, so it might look familiar, but here are some examples of when you have a problem, how you can outsource and how you can delegate. And let's pick one of these just to focus on, and I'll make sure you guys have these slides if you want them. But let's say that your bookkeeping is messy. Now, what you could do is you can look for an experienced VA with a background in bookkeeping to clean things up. 
that would be more of an outsourcing option. If you were going into more of a direction of delegating though, then what you would do is you could buy a course on bookkeeping and then you could go through it with your overseas VA, even if they have a background in bookkeeping and then turning those notes into more of an SOP. See, the goal with all of these is how can we be working towards having our team, even if they have a background or skill set in the thing, how can we have them help us build SOPs so that if, or systems, so that if heaven forbid anything ever happened or they ghosted us or whatever, the company would still have those step-by-step -step instructions on what to do. So the key takeaway here, and again, none of this is always bad. But I would highly advise that you proceed with caution whenever you're tempted to do any one of these things, like working with a VA staffing agency. I've done that in the past. There are some really great VA staffing agencies, but just keep in mind that when you work, when you pay a staffing agency and they pair you with a VA that they own, they're never really your teammate. They're never really helping you build your own internal processes. So you do want to be careful there because that can help you fall into a outsourcing trap. Also, it's important to avoid hiring anybody when the main point of hiring that person is just for a one-off project. Again, there can be situations where that makes sense for when there's that equivalent of the car breaks down and it's not a super important or essential role of the business owner to learn that problem, that can make sense. But this is a, a huge problem that I see when it comes to overseas VAs, where when people who are wanting to hire their first or their next overseas teammate, they're focused on this one particular problem that they want to solve or one significant project. It's a far better use of your time and the relationship of onboarding a new overseas teammate to focus more on recurring projects. Also, whenever you work with someone who is calling themselves a freelancer, that's usually a sign that they are they're used to be seeing seen as more of an outsourced solution than someone who is being delegated work based on processes that you own. These last two are also crucial. Do not expect a quick shortcut to freedom when you have little to no systems in place. That doesn't mean that if you feel like your systems are messy that you shouldn't hire someone because they can help you clean that stuff up. But don't think, again, when, when we are deciding that we do not want to bring on an outsourced solution, it means that this isn't going to be a quick fix overnight. And similarly, don't expect your new VA to just immediately be an overnight ninja and lifesaver, because if you are having those feelings at the outset, that probably is a sign that you are wanting an outsourcing instead of delegating them what, to them what you know. So along those lines, especially that last line of not wanting to bring someone that's just an overnight ninja, something that we have built, and I can share this with you guys, we'll be talking about this in future trainings. This is a spreadsheet that we use and love called a delegation dashboard. And this is really helpful because our, the idea is that really great overseas VA teammates are trained and made, not just found. And the idea is you don't just bring them on and expect them to immediately be awesome. After this initial stage of demonstrating the thing to them and having them observe your demonstration, then you go through usually a 90-day process of them building competency, proficiency, and then finally mastery in that thing. So 
All that being said, I know we spent a lot of time there, but it's so, so important. Let me know in the comments, are you currently outsourcing or delegating more in your business? Give me A for outsourcing, B for delegating, or C for neither. And no, no shame or judgment, but it's really good to just be self-aware here. Because if you are feeling like you are outsourcing more or you're doing neither, this can be a really powerful shift to say, you know what, I want to get to delegating more and more in the future. All right, Samir, great job for seeing that you've been outsourcing more because just shifting your mindset is key. Okay, someone else says that they're just now starting the process, so it makes sense that they're doing neither. The coach says this, I absolutely love it and agree that your success is inevitable. If that's true, though, it means that problems are also inevitable, right? And when you outsource, your success depends on another expert to solve your problems. But when you delegate, you own your success. That's so powerful. Okay, that brings us to mistake number two, which is thinking about the next step. And let me put my face on the screen here because I love these next few slides. And here's why this is an issue, by the way. A lot of business owners talk about the importance of just moving forward, of just taking action. And I agree with all of that. But we need to dive into this and why it's a mistake. Because let me know if this sounds familiar. When you decide that, oh yeah, I would love to start bringing on a new teammate, whether it's overseas or local, honestly, and you start to do this. Instead of zooming out and building out an A to Z plan of how you're going to do it, you say, if I'm going to hire someone, the first thing I'm going to have to do is write a job posting. So you first just focus on, okay, what should the job posting look like? How can I spend a few hours or a few weeks putting together the most beautiful job posting ever? And you go down rabbit holes and you search that and you eventually figure out, okay, this is the best job posting I think I've ever seen. And I'm really excited about it. Oh, but now there's another issue of what, where to put the job posting. So you're searching different jobs boards, trying to figure out which platform to use to put your posting. And I'm putting all of these as different suitcases because each one feels like a heavy suitcase in and of itself. So you do the research. You're like, okay, now I have a sense of which jobs boards I'm going to use. And then you realize that you have this other suitcase of, oh, geez, I crossed my fingers. I was hoping for some applications. Now I'm starting to get some interest, but I have to start actually reviewing all of these candidates. What am I going to be thinking about when I review the candidates? And how am I now going to have initial talks with all of these candidates? So you figure out, okay, what should I be asking before we do any interviews? And then it's, oh, I do want to interview these people before I start making any decisions, but how is that going to happen? Is this going to be over Zoom? Is it going to be elsewhere? How can I put this together? How am I going to put time on my calendar for all of this? When is... When do I want the last interview to be scheduled? So you do that. This, okay, now the, the interviews are scheduled, but what are the questions that you're going to ask? Give me a one in the chat if as I'm going through this, is starting to sound familiar of this being a heavy process that just feels heavier and heavier every time you start to take some progress. Then you start to have the interviews and then you're like, okay, now I figure out who I want to hire. How exactly do I make that offer? What should the contract look like? Is this going to be an employee or a contractor? How many hours do they start? Samir's given me a one. And as we're going to get into next month, okay, now how do we onboard them? What if it doesn't work out? How do I terminate them? It is very important to realize whether you've gone through this process or not. 
that this is the weight that most business owners experience when they start looking at bringing on new teammates. It feels super heavy, super overwhelming. And the hard part is it can feel like you're having all of these wins along the way, but it's only those last few suitcases where you actually have them on your team. What you really need is what I call a VA hiring machine. This allows you to zoom way back and say, how can I plan this all out? So that when I go through the different stages of the process, it doesn't feel like I'm picking up a new heavy suitcase each time. There are really four main gears to your VA hiring machine. The first, and let me hide my face again, is the application funnel. Don't worry, I'll go through what all of these gears are in a bit. The second is what I call the auto qualifier. That's really the secret sauce to all of this. The third is what I call the inspiration interview. And the third and final gear is the epic welcome. Okay, so in the application funnel, here is what you do. Here is what I recommend. What you do is you create a form. A lot of people use Google Forms for this just because it's free and easy to use. And heaven knows we all are somewhat familiar with Google. But if you're already using something like Typeform or Airtable, you can do that as well. And what you do is you just add basic questions for the candidates. Name, email, maybe What's a book that you read recently that you enjoyed? You're not trying to make it super hard for people to move forward with at this point, right? Just basic questions that don't require a lot of brain calories for them to fill out. And what you do is you then connect the responses of that form to a spreadsheet. Now, if you're using something like Google, that they can do that automatically. If you're looking for a fancier option, you can also use Zapier to integrate the form with some type of a spreadsheet. Like I said, if you do use Google, it can be really easy for there to be a, a form results on the back end. This is so helpful because if you don't have this in place, then what we're often stuck with is no matter what jobs board you go to, all of the responses are coming in as new messages, a new inbox. You're going through everything one by one, right? When you do it this way, you can take the conversation off of those platforms and centralize all of the responses in one very easy to read spreadsheet. This is next level. It simplified things so much with us. And what you do, by the way, is you just include a link to that form on the job post itself. So you tell your applicants, no matter where you're posting the job post, in order to apply, click the link on this form, and we've got a few basic questions for you. Then what gets triggered is what I call the auto qualifier. This is so next level helpful, it's crazy. Before we had this gear, my team and I were spending a lot of time reviewing a bunch of candidates who might've been great and find people, but they were the wrong fits for what we were looking for. And so here is what the auto qualifier is. It's where you create first and foremost, a type of challenge. Ideally, it's something like a proofreading challenge that tests their attention to detail. And then what you do is you create a second form for them to upload their responses to that challenge. Then, like with the first form, again, you connect those responses to a spreadsheet so all of their responses are centralized. And then this final point is the most important. You add a link of this second form 
to your first form's confirmation email. That was a lot of language, so let me try and say that another way. Basically, what we're doing is when that first form gets answered, they get a confirmation email, right, that says, thank you for submitting this form. All that you do is you figure out what tech you're using, how you can edit that confirmation email that they receive after completing the first form that says, hey, congratulations, just by filling out this form, you've automatically made it to our challenge round. We've got a challenge for you that's waiting for you. And this here's an example of what we do. It works really well. So when they click that, when they click the link on that confirmation email, it takes them to a Google Doc that says, okay, here's what the challenge is for you. What we did was we created a fake landing page that's not real. We, we're not actually promoting this at all. And it has a bunch of typos on it. And we tell them that their job is to find all of the typos. And I say this on the document. I say, look closely and make note of all of the errors and typos you can find. There are some sneaky ones and italicized and bold, I say particularly one at the bottom. So I call a lot of attention to the fact that there is a sneaky typo at the bottom of the page. And I sign the document with my name. The hidden sneaky typo is that my name is spelled wrong. It ends in an E, not a Y. You guys, this is so helpful. Because if you do this the way that we've gone through doing it, you will get hundreds of applications and only about five to 10% or less will catch this. Even if you do a good job calling out, this is the main typo that we want to see. So when this comes in, the only thing that my team and I are looking for is did they catch the last name typo at the bottom of the page? Only the ones that did make it through to the next round. Give me a why if this is tracking so far. If you have any questions, feel free to let me know in the comments. Again, give me a, a why in the chat if this is all sounding good for you and if you're with me so far. So now we get to what I call the inspiration interview. I call it the inspiration interview because of this. Keep in mind that we are hiring at this point overseas virtual assistants to do admin work for the company, which means that at this point, if they've gone through the hoops that we've already put together, if, they've, if they have been that 5 to 10%, probably less, that caught that typo, chances are they have a good attention to detail and will be a good fit for your team. The interview at this point is less about are they going to be a good fit for your team. And it's more about, is your company going to be a good fit for them? And so this is where the goal is to inspire them to say, yes, this is going to be a good fit for me and their culture values align with mine. So at this point, you're assuming good fit and good intent. You're using this interview to communicate your core values and you're getting clear on their ideal future saying, where do you want to ideally be in this business? This allows you to confirm that you and your business are a good fit for them and not just the other way around. And by the way, this is my favorite question to ask in all of my interviews, but especially when it comes to overseas VAs. I say, okay, assume that you get the job and let's fast forward a year from now. You're out with a good friend of yours and they ask you about work and you respond, this is the best job I could have ever imagined. What would have to be true about us, about this business for you to say that? And then you just listen to how they answer this question. You will learn so much about how to keep your VAs happy by asking this question and listening closely. Such a powerful question. Okay, and now we get to the last 
gear in the machine, the epic welcome. I call it the epic welcome and not onboarding because we're not just onboarding them. We are welcoming them to the team. This includes a lot of stuff from having an easy contract signing process to making sure that it's very clear and understood how the payment process is going to work. Also doing what I call an orientation, just a school orientation of your processes, your team, your vision, and your values. And earlier I talked about that delegation spreadsheet, figuring out the best way that you're going to put them on track so that you can delegate an ongoing task to them and then train them up from competency to proficiency to mastery. And then setting the expectation that within 90 days from when they first get started, you'll be doing an alignment check as a performance review. I don't really call them performance reviews for our overseas VAs because most likely they're going to be doing a good job. And if not, it's usually because our processes aren't as strong as they thought they were. What we're really testing, and again, this is different when you're bringing on maybe other types of teammates who you're inserting at the business at a higher role, but this is entry-level tasks that you're delegating to them. As long as they can follow good instructions, they should be fine. So the real risk that you're looking for isn't that they're not performing, it's that they might not be aligned or feeling great. So that is the epic welcome. Omid says, I love that so much. Asking what have to be true about us is the best job ever. What a great question. It really is, Omid. I'm glad you think so too. I put this here on the slide because at this point, I tend to get asked, okay, in this last slide, you talked about making the payment process and stuff. What, Joey, do you recommend in terms of how to pay them? Here are three very common ones. The first is WISE. It used to be called TransferWISE. That's a very popular option in the overseas VA payment world. A lot of VAs really like it because there is zero or a low processing fee. So whatever you pay the VA, they keep most, if not all of it. We also recommend PayPal, specifically PayPal for Business. I will say if you use PayPal for Business, I highly recommend that you figure out how much of a cut PayPal is taking and then you tweak your payment to them so that you pay more through PayPal so they receive what you agreed upon. That tends to be very much appreciated as well. And then also Gusto. So if you're like my team, we are already on a payroll service. We use Gusto. You might be using something else. Most HR payroll systems, processes allow for you to pay people overseas, not just in the United States. So if you're already using a system like Gusto, chances are you can lean on that same system as well to pay your overseas assistant. And also in terms of the price point, we recommend starting out again for entry level, we recommend starting out at $6 an hour for a Filipino entry level VA. And I want to break down the math there for anybody who might be concerned or confused about that number. So I pulled this. It's very important to me, by the way, to not just figure out a way to pay overseas team that's great for my team's budget and profitability, but also that is that it's very much a livable wage and beyond for the team that we're bringing over there. So let me just walk you through this. This is a chart that I got from a trusted source online that shows the different types of annual salaries for different types of workers, specifically in the Philippines. 
And as we can see, a senior level virtual assistant, which is what I've circled in yellow, makes about $9,000 US a year. If we do the math and we figure out what the hourly rate there is, that's about $4 an hour, okay? Now, if the goal here, honestly, is to bring on virtual assistants, be promoting them within your team, giving them more and more leadership. So ideally, they might get to a point where they don't really see themselves as a virtual assistant, but more of a project manager for your team. If we apply that as well, that even is around $10 an hour. So either way, you're at well under the typical living minimum wage here in the United States. And what we end up doing is we recommend starting out at $6 an hour and then promoting them to 10, maybe 12 or $15 an hour. It is very much appreciated on their end and definitely livable if you source for the Philippines. So that's the VA hiring machine. And I, I drew it up this way visually so that you could see the different gears. But the thing is, it doesn't really look like this in practice. It's more like this, right? Because as you're taking people through the process, it's being applied by fewer and fewer people. So the idea is to get tons of eyes on your job posts, right? Receive tons of applications. And because you've done the thought process up front of setting this all up, you're left with the best of the best fits afterwards. And more often than not, when we put out a job hosting for just a general entry-level VA, it's not hard for us to get well over 200 applications. And because of the way that we built this out, we usually have about 20 or more, usually less than 20 that make it through, that fill out that challenge, that have passed, that have caught that typo, right? And then we pick about five to, to interview. And usually we hire two at a time. I'll get back to that later. But again, here is the VA hiring machine. And in terms of resources, here's how I encourage all of you to think about it. There is a a great resource inside the Facebook group. And I'll make sure after this to make sure that this link is available to everybody. But we have created an A to Z hiring guide for VAs that covers pretty much all of this machine for you. It's a Google Doc. It's step-by-step. I can't tell you how many people that I've shared this Google Doc with that said, oh my gosh, this really lays things out super clearly for me. Thank you. The problem, of course, is setting all of this up yourself might be more time consuming than you'd like. We can circle back to how to overcome that later in the training. But I put this here because there's really two main resources that I have for you. The A to Z hiring guide for VAs, which covers everything, even partly through the Epic Welcome and then the onboarding training. And the onboarding training is the live series training that we're doing in August. So the goal is if you have that A to Z hiring guide, and once you've gone through our onboarding training series, you'll have what you need to create this entire VA machine yourself. Again, it's really worth mapping all of this out. If you're only thinking about the next step, it's going to take so much longer to get to the finish line. Planning ahead really makes the journey more fun, fast, and effective. Which brings us to the third and final mistake. You're mitigating the wrong risks with your new VA teammates. Here's what I mean. There are really two types of risks when it comes to 
bringing on new teammates. There are what I call them risks and me risks. And if you've ever thought about bringing on an overseas VA, or maybe you've gone through the process before and have had an overseas VA, you've probably, if you're human, been more focused on what I call the them risks. What if they don't follow instructions? What if they don't stay proactive and keep themselves busy? What if they make excuses or become uninterested? What if they're not trustworthy? What if they don't have integrity and they don't honor their word? What if they're not able to step up and really do this work? Give me a why in the chat if you've thought about these things before or while you were working on finding a some type of a teammate to bring into your business. Super common. I know I've been there. But there's also parallel set of what I call me risks. Instead of asking, what if they don't follow instructions? What if I'm not being clear? The flip side of what if they don't stay proactive? What if I get too busy and I don't make time for them? Instead of them making excuses or being uninterested, what if I have a bad day and I fall into to victim mode and I start commanding others? Instead of asking, what if they're not trustworthy? What if the deeper problem is I'm not ready to trust anyone because I've been burned before or whatever the case. If I'm worrying about, are they honoring their word? Can I confidently say that I'm doing a really good job of honoring my word? And this last one is a huge one. What if I'm not able to let go of these tasks fully? Now I break all of this down because honestly, and just to be candid, I do think it is worth you as the business owner to be thinking about all of these. The limitation, of course, is that at the end of the day, we can only fully control these me risks. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't things that we can't do to mitigate the them risks. And here are some of my favorite things that you can do. The first is hire two VAs at once. If you're worried about a VA not doing a good job or not working out, well, when you hire two at once, then if one ends up not being a good fit or ghosts you, then you'll be okay because you've got the other one. And best case scenario, if you bring on two at once, then after 90 days or so, you can have a better sense of where their specific zones of genius are and start to specialize what they're doing. Another thing that you can do to avoid VA risks is to, once you build out your hiring machine, trust that process. Don't overthink it. Don't spend a ton of extra time trying to have them jump through additional hurdles. Remember, at this point, we're just bringing them on at an entry level. It can be really helpful to start. Instead of giving everybody their own email on your team, create one VA at or team at email address for them to share. And you could even have the process be whenever a new teammate joins, they have access to that account for 90 days before they get their own email. One thing that I love doing is adding an extra layer that I call the pre-interview video-based form. And this is, we use a tool called Video Ask, where before we actually have an interview with them, we send them a form that requires them to answer the form using video. Super, super helpful because that allows us to see things like, okay, do they seem to have good internet? Can they speak fluent English? Things like that. Things that we want to know before we would want to spend time doing an interview. Also, like I said earlier, focus on recurring projects instead of just one-off tasks and start as part-time as you can if you want to. And then plan to, plan to add hours later instead of trying to quickly get to a point where you're getting them full-time hours. That can be stressful for both parties. And if you're feeling like you don't have a lot of internal SOPs or processes yet, or if they're messy, 
these last two things go hand in hand. I'm a huge fan of buying specific admin how-to courses on things like email management, calendar management, how to use Slack, things like that. Going through those courses together, that can be super helpful because then those notes from those classes can turn into the beginnings of SOPs. And if you really feel like you have messy processes, make that assignment number one to clean up certain important processes and systems. It's really worth your time. Consider both, but just be honest with yourself. There's a lot of talk right now around the concept of radical candor. I think that's awesome. There is a parallel phrase that I love, which is radical acceptance. How can we be radically accepting of certain limitations, things that we have to work on that are deeper, more foundational risks? Because I guarantee you, if you do the internal work of mitigating these me risks, you will have such better experiences with your overseas VAs. And if it's helpful, I really recommend that you let your core values guide you. So here are four main core values with my law firm. I won't get into exactly what they all mean, but the reason why I clarify all of this is because when we not only have our core values and we have descriptions and definitions of what it means, then we can be having really effective conversations with our team about, okay, here's what this core value means. Do you agree that's important? Are we a good fit? And then are, you, are we agreeing that you're staying in alignment that we would score you high in these core values. A related poll here, have do you currently have your company's core values identified and also defined? Give me a why or a no in the comments. Again, just a really great thing to be aware of. If it's a no here, it's a really great use of your time to get those core values not just identified, but also defined. So give me a quick why or no in the comments there. And along those lines, man, I love this saying. We manage things, but we lead people. Again, the more you improve as a leader and the more me misks you'll mitigate, you mitigate, the more success you'll have with your VAs. Keep in mind that really great VAs are not just found. They're also inspired and unleashed. There's a lot of talk about how, oh, it can be really hard to find good work these days. Sure, but there is an abundance of potential out there. There is an abundance abundance of really great fits for your team, especially at an admin level that are just waiting in the wings to come into your business and do a great job. Okay. I know that was a lot. So let's do a quick recap of these three mistakes. Mistake number one is you're using your VAs to outsource your problems, not delegate solutions. But the truth is that when you delegate, you own your successes. Mistake number two is only thinking about that next step to hiring a VA. But the truth is that you need a big picture process to make it easy and effective. And mistake number three is you're mitigating the wrong risks with your new VAs. The truth there is that time is best spent on mitigating risks within your control, which means those me risks, right? All right, so where do we go from here? You've got two things. Number one, make sure that you're in our free group. I'm pretty sure that most, if not all, all of you are. Once you join the group, you'll get access not only to our A to Z hiring guide, but also to our onboarding training, which we are going to be doing every single Tuesday in the month of August. So once August is done, we'll make sure that we clean up all of those live trainings, package them really well for you. If you're already in the group, then of course, come to as many of those as you can. Each training is going to be building on the last. 
So there really is an order to it. Very excited to put that out there. And then also step two is check out Global Vetted VAs. We spent a good chunk of time on this training talking about that VA hiring machine, right? My team has really perfected how to get that machine running in a really smooth and well-oiled way. And through our new service, Global Vetted VAs, we use our VA machine, that process to match you with five really high quality VAs, and you can easily hire them for under $10 an hour. If anybody is interested in global vetted VAs, feel free to just type the word call in the comments. I usually don't offer this, but I want to be as helpful as I can to everybody in the group. If you want to hop on a quick discovery call with me and we can get a good sense of if you would be a great fit for for global vetted VAs or maybe some other solution. I just want to be helpful there. And so I'm putting some time aside on my calendar to make sure that if you're interested in global vetted VAs and you want to learn more, you can book a free call with me and see. So again, just use the word call in the comments and my team and I will follow up to get that call scheduled. So here is the final poll for everyone. What action steps will you take now that you've watched this training? And hey, there is no judgment. Honestly, I don't care what your answer is to this poll. I just want to help you ground this training in action. If you're like most business owners I know, including myself, you sit in on these types of trainings all the time. These types of trainings are only as helpful as the action that you take after them. So I put three options on the screen here. Give me a one if you're seriously considering global vetted VAs. If so, my team and I will follow up. If you'd like to research next steps on your own, great, give me a two. And if after this training, you've decided, you know what, this was great to learn, but I don't really want to make creating overseas VA teammates a part of my prioritized to-do list moving forward, I'm going to give a three here and say nothing further. I'm going to shift my attention as a business owner to something else. It is okay to say not right now, but this is your chance as a business owner to just make a decision and to ground yourself either in action or in confident inaction. So give me a one, a two, or a three here that can be really helpful in you getting off the decision fence. I love helping people get off the decision fence because it's a painful place to be. All right. Samir says one, but I'm not sure my systems are set up yet. Samir, you might be right. My team and I can help clarify that the best course of action for you moving forward. Okay, you guys. So that is everything for this training. I do want to set aside some time if anybody has any questions. I believe that I've gone through already and have answered questions and have responded to comments as they've come in. If you have any questions or concerns that have not been addressed, specifically when it comes to finding and hiring overseas VAs, feel free to drop those in the comments now. I'll give it a few minutes here and see if you guys have any questions. I gave a version of this training last week, and one of the questions that we circled back to was about this idea of, I get your point, Joey, about looking for recurring work and not having one-off projects, but I, I'm currently struggling to think of a recurring project that I would give a new VA. That is a really great question. I don't want to spend a bunch of time today going into it, but my team and I are working on putting together a really great list of not just what you can have a VA do, but what are recurring projects that would be really effective for you to give to your VA so that you can more confidently keep them busy for however much you have agreed to give them work. And again, we've had times 
myself included, where you bring on a VA and to start, you're just like five hours a month is all I need from you. That's great, but you still want to figure out, okay, what is that recurring work going to look like for those five hours every month? Hopefully you work your way up. But I will say to a lot of the great people that we have sourced through Global Vetted VAs, if I'm being honest, they really like the idea of being a overseas VA for a number of different business owners. They would rather have a a few business owners that they're working with than just one. And so they very much like the idea of having, instead of just working full-time for one business, being part-time for a number of them, which is great for us because it allows people that we've previously vetted and have mashed with someone to be a really good fit for somebody else who's just looking for part-time work. All right. I haven't seen any questions come through, so we can stop there. Thanks to all of you for your time today. I hope that this was helpful. If you have time and a moment, I would love it. And I'm sure it would be helpful for others in the group. If you just dropped your favorite takeaway, your favorite golden nugget from this training, you can just type hashtag golden nugget. And then whatever that big takeaway was, that can be a really great way for other business owners when they catch the replay to come in and see, okay, what were the main takeaways before I dive into this that people got from this? What can I be spending particular attention to as I watch this training. All right, y'all are the best. I'll talk to you soon. See y'all later. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn